is Dr. Noah Liu. This is another segment of our Secure Dental Podcast. Today, I'm joined by one of our ex-associate, Dr. Alex Shore. Dr. Alex Shore joined us back in 2019, and today, we are at his practice, Signature Heart Smiles. Dr. Shore, welcome, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, it's so been a ride. I know, it's been a ride. It's been like, what, five years? Four years. Yeah. Four years. So introduce and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how did you get started? Yeah. Like, what prompted you to go to dental school? What got you into dental school and out? And then after that, how did you find us? I was originally born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. I went to yard graduate at Michigan State University, and I had really no intentions of leaving ever. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I wasn't really like super thrilled about my smile. I had crowding over classic orthodontic problems, self-esteem issues. And I really had great providers growing up. My pediatric dentist was awesome. My orthodontist was awesome. My general dentist was awesome. So dentistry was never a scary thing to me. But when I saw mm. kind of like how it changed me, okay, I realized that was an art to change somebody through tooth movement. And just the simplest little thing can lead to self-esteem, confidence. Is that what prompted you? you right. Know, dental school? The, and it really hit me when... I saw my before and after pictures because my father was a photographer and we had a lot of art around the house. And when I saw before and after pictures, I, it clicked. All those years of being around him and all those years of bad teeth and then seeing it, I'm like, that was the art. Okay. The art was the canvas. I was the canvas. So that was what led me to get into dentistry at age 14. I said, this could help. I could help I, other I, people. At 14. At 14. I knew when I got my braces off, I said, That's, this is it. This is my calling. Yeah, it was just too many things that lined up and that was my calling and that was it. Like I always believed that there is a thing that shaped your life. So what happened between the age of 14 till the age when you decided to say, hey, I want to go and sit for the dental exam. As what, 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 kind of, what, kind of, what kind of life did you have? Well, I mean, I, I can't say that I had a super big struggle or anything, but uh, I had parents who pushed me okay. to, to always strive for one, one house better. Whether it was a B plus on a test, it wasn't good enough. Every day minus. Whether it was got a driver's license, guess what? Now you gotta get a job. Gotta fill the tank. So it was always that that humble reality check that I always had. Every so they never you never got in like on a platter. No, and I, I got I gotta really credit my parents a lot for that. They they were the ones they were the ones who always made me dig a little deeper, right? Okay. And go a little farther and go the extra mile. And your best is never great enough. You can always be better. You can always improve. And it was every step of life because when I got to college, right. it was for undergraduate, it was go get a job, go work 20 hours, go get involved. And that was ingrained in me from just being around them from 14 to 18. And did, did you hate it. them for that? Or at the time, that was a little extreme, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Now I, I look back at it and they said, without that, without that constant push on the shoulder, you're not going to the next time. You're not going to ever look back and peel back the layers and say, what can I do more? What can I do better? If I'm here, how do I go to the next step? How do I step forward? So that was kind of between the Dell boards and 14. It was always that, hey, if you want. So that gave you the base, baseline and the base work, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. The framework of how to just continuously strive for more. So now did that help you in decision-making? Because I see a lot of people struggling mm -hmm. to decide, right? So I was what's your take on like from 14 till dental school? What was the path that you took? Because I'm trying to see, I'm trying to get a sense of, where was it that click point maybe can help somebody else like if they can do it you know down the road in their life so what was that aspect or was it like series of scenarios or situations 
I think it was maturity. Like as a kid, I was not super decisive. But okay, okay. As like kind of life happened and those constant pushes on the shoulder and go do be better. And just social experiences, I think a lot of it was like the friends I picked, the people I surrounded okay. myself with. I was I always felt like I was around people who were more decisive, more driven, okay, and more goal focused than I was. And it was a great thing because you just always kind of wanted to you wanted to rise to the level of your friends. You're good as the company you keep. Exactly. And that was one of those ones for me that like I kept great company and I have great friends. I'm still very good friends with them today. They're not dentists, but they're doing great in their own line of work, right? And they're right, right. And they just constantly have this like hunger and like this drive to keep moving forward. So, so it seems like you had all this instilled in you when you were growing up. It's every step of the way, right? Yeah. Like you wouldn't be around bad people if my parents also at the exactly. same time. My family surrounded themselves with great, successful people. And it was never it wasn't like fate. It was always like, these are the choices they make, right? The choices you make are the choices that define you kind of deal. All right, I'm just going to interrupt you for a little bit. So it's like, basically your parents pushed you. Mm -hmm. You had this, all these, all these mentors and all these people that you hung around with. That kind of prompted you to be a little bit more decisive, a little bit more taking your life under control. Right. Right. You just did not let life take over you at a very early age. Yeah. And I think a lot of what happened to me was I was always, even when I got to undergraduate, it was, you don't just go to school and you go to the honors college. And nobody's gonna do your homework for you but you. Right, right. Nobody's gonna take those tests but you. So it all kind of like funnels through you. It was like, how bad do you want it? And when I got to college, the first step, because you know you gotta do the first step, you go to the second step, as you know. So I see somebody that. kind of mentioned to me, and I can't remember who it was, everyone around you is your competition, but not in a bad way. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you like, the competition, right? right like, yeah. it's, like, it's like, you wanna make sure that you stand out. You wanna make sure mm -hmm. that you, are doing everything you can to give yourself the best chance to be accepted in a program when you got other people and want the same thing you do. And the other thing was the humility aspect. It's like, there are, I never complained right. about anything or how much work I had to do or how much I had to study because there's always somebody who wants it more than you do. There's somebody who's dying to take your spot if you get into that program of your perception, dream. Yeah. Right? Love it. Love so it's like when there's always those humble reality checks of like, I'm not going to play about doing homework. I said for the board exam because this is a this is a blessing, man, to even do it. And there's somebody who is struggling to even get to where you are would would kill to have your spot, your chance, your opportunity. So those are the things that I kind of always reminded myself of. And I think that's the kind of mentality that you can get so appreciative of whatever you have, and you just want to keep striving for it to keep growing, growing. Mm -hmm. Because here's my thing, right? I like to believe that if you're not growing, you're shrinking. So you have this mentality. So so tell me two things, right? Taking charge or being a victim? <laughs> you know, I, Cause, cause I, I see your mentality. You yeah. want to take charge. And, you know, like, I just want your take on it. Like, you know, how would you define like taking charge of your life versus letting life take charge of you? I always have kind of lived and died by the mindset that those who act and those who react. Okay. To react means you're letting something happen to you and you have to figure it out. To act is you're going to set the stage for yourself. And it's always easier to be active. Right. It's always easier to charge. Right as opposed to rebuild. I kind of bring that into everything I've ever done, right? Whether it was a sport I played or a fraternity I joined or a leadership role I took. So you always had this competitive mindset, right? It was, you just want to be the best version of yourself. You don't, right. you want to give it your all and leave nothing on the table and say, I wish I would have done this differently. I wish I wouldn't have waited or pondered or it is an opportunity I missed because I was complacent. And those are the things that like in today, I. You just remind yourself, it's like you have to continue to 
be the charge. Exactly. Not let it take charge of you. Exactly. Because if not you, then who else? Exactly. Right. I would always tell you that when I work for you, it's not right. me and who. It's exactly. like, you got to do it or else it's going to go somewhere else. So let's fast forward. <laughs> You're done with school. Yes. So now you got in. Like, how hard was it for you to get in in the first place? I was not a stellar, stellar student. I was very involved socially in undergraduate. And I, okay. I never, ever wanted to make school priority one, two, three, four, and five. Like most people do, balance. You want to balance your life and your social life and all that stuff. But, you know, school is my job. And my parents reminded me, school is your job. Mm -hmm. This is your full-time job. And if your full-time job is done, then you can go do whatever you want. And I took that seriously. Okay. And I, I did school well. I was a stellar student, but not a stellar test taker. So the DET right, right. for me was a challenge. My score is very average, straight, middle of the bell curve. Yeah. Right. And like that's that doesn't sit on the paper. So I only I was lucky enough to do one round of applications, get into school, the number one school I wanted to go to, which was Michigan. But you know, it was a struggle. Applied at 15 schools, get interviews at four. Okay. Which means your odds are getting into two, maybe. And ironically enough, I I told myself, you know, you get the interview, you get they they already know that you're you're right. qualified. Now you got to blow them away. Now you get to interview, and this is what's going to separate you as a person. Jump off the paper. My story. I got I got I got an hour to you're knock somebody dead. Did you get in the first round? I did. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. Well, it was not December one, like everyone's fairy tale. December one, you wake up, you get the call. Yeah. But you got in. I interviewed at two of my four schools before December one. I was waitlisted from both. Oh wow! So here I was on December second, saying I didn't get in. I don't have any more interviews. Start a gap year. I was already starting to fill out the paperwork of a master's program. I was already starting to figure out, like, draw my life as like you know, no is never the final answer in life. Don't let a bad event define you. Kind of move forward and try your best to get over the next cycle. All, all, all in the mindset, right? But yeah. these are the things that are like you're preparing. I'm not. I was preparing to get in because you know you're reading all these dental forms, the student doctor network, and right. in and like the class is full, and we all knew the opportunity of a post. December thing, but like the way that I get sound is like it's very limited and very thin and like right. you can't bank on that. So I wasn't going to. And I fast forward to actually crit the day before Christmas Eve. I was doing like a part-time job delivering flowers just to make some money on the break, right? Because I, I was so you were so you were working as well before Dallas school. Yeah. So yeah. On my breaks, I would come home and instead of taking like a month off of school, I just go pick up a part-time job for a month. So I was doing flower delivery. So let's go back in time again a little bit. Yeah. How many different kind of jobs did you do before dental school? I worked at four different restaurants. I worked from busboy to line chef. Because this is important. This yeah. sets the tone of your know, work ethics. This sets the tone of, you know, workability and, and grinding it out. So I did delivery driving on my breaks, like I just kind of then mentioned. Right, and right. I did, uh, I did um, collegiate baseball umpiring and high school baseball umpiring on the weekend. So my weekend job was working oh, on wow. tournaments. And then my day, my day job was like, you know, I would, during the summers, I would, I would work. I was a store manager for a coffee shop and okay. I was in the restaurant industry before that and just working my way up the rent. So I had probably eight or nine jobs and a few odd mm -hmm. jobs, even like part-time ones that don't make it on the resume. Yeah. 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 For years. I mean, probably wow. from the time I was 15 to 22, so eight or nine jobs. Yeah. So that was kind of like just. Growing up, my parents were never going to give you 20 bucks to put your guests in. You'd earn right. 20 bucks to put your guests in. They weren't going to give you going out money with your friends to go to move to you to earn it. Kind of teach you the value of what work takes. So you really valued dental school by the time you got in? By the time I got there, yeah. 
I realized when I was looking around, a lot of these people just never, they, they just never worked. They never had the, and we can get into that later, but like, they never really had someone tell them no before. Right. Or that job where their manager's appointment. Yeah, where their manager is just rude and they're working in a restaurant for eight bucks an hour. Yeah. And you worked eight hours and you're covered in grease or somebody's food residue. Right. Right. And you got paid 90 bucks. It was the hardest earned 90 bucks a year a week, right? So it's like, but you understood value of money. I understood, and I told myself in dental school, there's always something worse out there. I just went through it. What if you worked in the restaurants for the rest of your life? What if you didn't get the great chance to be a doctor? Right. Right. And you had to figure it out. It just puts it perspective in you. Like, and I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those jobs. I'm just saying those jobs are hard work, and we take those yeah, yeah. every day. You go to the restaurant, you don't realize this pe- this, these, these people are on their feet all day. These people have been busting it, and they're not making zillions of dollars here. They're making yeah. the wage they're making. You know, I feel like it just brings humility in a lot of people's character. Once when you do these kind of jobs, why you realize that what's going on? Yeah, exactly. Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was the thing that drove me was kind of like, you know, I had a tough day at dental school, for example. I was like, yeah. you know, I was cleaning puke off floors, right? A few right. years ago. This is not. This is a great day. Well, scrubs. I got to help somebody. It's all perception. Yeah. So that was those driving things that kind of like reality checked me. You know, which is why I always feel like if you've not done an odd job or any other job before mm-hmm. dental school or before like medical school, it's always a tough battle. But it's not impossible. It's just more. It's a mindset. It's mindset. It's a mindset switch, right? So now you're in dental school. You got out. You're graduating, right? So now it was the post-December thing. I was planning a year off, and then on this, uh, during one of my odd jobs, so you thought you were not going to get it. I wasn't banking on it. Based on everything I've been told, it was just that first wave and first round application. They're filling sixty to seventy percent of the seats. And I wasn't thinking, I'm, if I'm average, I'm not going to test you I'm, not, I'm not going to be part of the 30. And I only had one in-state school left that I didn't hear from. It was Michigan, number one school in the country at the time. And I'm like, you know, well, like, as if they're going to hear me if the other right. two waitlisted me. And I'm driving at a route at one of my odd jobs, and it's December 23rd. This is the last drop-off before Christmas Eve and it's holidays. And I get a call from the University of Michigan admissions department saying, we want you to interview. I just said, are you sure? I didn't kind of call myself, are you sure about this? It's after December. They go, yeah, we do post summary. He's great. You'll be great. I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, I'll do it. You know, and I'll, I'll come in and I'll do the interview. And it was January 28th. It's the last day. It was our last day of interviews. Jared Trey, you'll be the last day. And I think I'm going to hang up the phone. And I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, I'm going to lose at this point because I was already, I was already preparing. And I don't really know if it's going to go. I don't really know if this is it. I don't really know if this is just like a courtesy. Right. I'm in state and I live here and I grew up here and they're just trying to maybe vet me out for next year. Right. Like, I don't really know that. So what had happened to me is that like my mindset changed during the interview. I said, you know, I got nothing to lose. I have my shoulders down. The first two, I was kind of tense. Right. Being nervous. This one, I was like, you know, I don't really know. I'm going to just go in there and have some fun. And I went in and they did this the interview style called multiple mini interviews. So they're not asking questions about you. They're asking you like topics. Right. One of the topics I remember was something about, do you think it's right that tobacco companies use gummy bear flavor to target their nicotine to the younger crowd? And I don't remember, even remember how I answered. What I do remember is that was every area. It was every stage. And I got in the car and it was the same routine. My father would always come to me in interviews. We'd always, it was yeah, Wisconsin, yeah, yeah. we'd go together. If we were in Detroit, we'd go together. We'd do the pickup and drop off and we would just debrief, go get dinner. He picked me up from this one in Ann Arbor, and he said, how'd it go? And I went, I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. They didn't talk about me. I didn't talk about me. It was more like an IQ test, like a personality test. 
I said, I'm not sure if that's going to work in my favor or not, but I was talking and I was hanging out. And I got a call four days later that I got in. The parameters in my brain were like, it's hard to wrap my mind around. You got in, your top choice, after December, and one of the most prestigious programs in the country. And here I was, counting my chickens, saying, I got to go another year. I got to take a master's yeah. program. I got to do all this stuff. It was really like humbling in a way that you were kind of like, here I was already counting myself out, like of the whole cycle, ready to do the next cycle. I wasn't going to quit. I was ready to do the next cycle. And then this happens and it made, you, it made me realize it's not done until it's done. Nothing is over till it's right. over. And you never know the chance it's waiting behind another door. And, and a random day delivering flowers to turn into the opportunity of a lifetime. So it's just one of those weird... See, doors opened up. This is what we always keep saying. Doors always show up. Yeah. You always got to show up. Mm -hmm. Regardless of whatever the consequences or whatever the outcome, right? You always got to show up. One thing I liked about what you just said, the interview process, right? What I feel like it's because you were relaxed, mm -hmm. you really didn't care about the outcome. Yeah. So your answers must have been like very relaxed state. And secondly, whatever your past job was, all the odd jobs that you had, mm -hmm. that kind of give you that perspective of life, like, you know, how the, how the whole process works. Because that kind of ruled you out from the other candidates who just got everything ready, like about themselves and about the school. It was like a curveball, that, if you ask me. It was, and, and, and you handled it pretty well because you have experience in life, which a lot of people don't. And I think a lot, a lot of what had happened to me at that point was I kind of went in and I, I just thanked them all for their time. I never done that in another interview, but I just said, you know, what, I want to thank you for your time today, and I'm, that's I'm, I'm just happy you would consider me. That's you. And I said that for every station. I wasn't scripting that. I was just at that point. I was so out on myself, right? You know, like a little shook up about being a post-December admit or yeah, yeah. even just being there after some people had already gotten in. Like I was second choice or, but I didn't let it get to me. I said, Hey, I really want to thank you for your consideration in the matter of even. So that was Dell's school and the application process in my journey. But you know, some people get in first time, first round, they get 15 schools to pick from and life's good. Yeah. So everybody's got a different journey, but it's got a different experience. Yeah. So your whole Dell school journey. Yeah. Pretty easy, pretty tough. And it kind of goes back to what we were saying. I came in there with a, I came in there with a very relaxed day, but also this chip on their shoulder saying, hey man, you weren't the first pick. You were like a fifth round draft pick for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you got to show them why you should have been number one. And I brought that in every day. In the sim lab, I'd stay the latest. In clinicals, I'd get there the earliest, mm -hmm. right? My patient was at nine, I'd get there at eight. And I, then I changed my whole life around this. What I was getting only one. I was one of them. But there were other okay. people just like me, and I'm not going to say there weren't. But then I changed my whole life around this and said, you're going to take charge now. You're going to be a 5 a.m. riser. I was sleeping until 9 o'clock in yeah. undergrad. So now 5 a.m., I get up, right. work out, I took charge of my life, and I wanted to be up four hours for my patients for there. Nice. I'd get there an hour early. I'd look through their charts. I'd look through stuff. I made sure I was the first one there, and if I had to be the last one to do my lab work, I was staying that night to get it done. I wasn't going to let it go to the weekend or the next day if I could avoid it. Obviously, there are certain things, but... A lot of it was just prove yourself. No, you got the chance and don't let them down. And I remember what my dad would tell me all the time. He goes, Alex, there are 3,000 applicants, 300 interviews and 100 spots. Wow. That means by the numbers, there are 2,900 people that want to be sitting where you are. So don't let it happen. And my dad drove me every day. He said, someone wants your spot. Don't complain. Someone wants to work harder than you in the same spot you are. So work harder than them. And keep your nose down and be humble. Like, I wasn't sitting there trying to cut my classmates' knees out for a... I just focused on myself. So there was never a point where you felt like, like you were entitled. No, I felt like you always felt like you, you were working for it every single day. I felt that because I wasn't, 
in that first round that I had right. myself to the day I graduated. Right. And I wanted That's to prove huge, myself. Man. That's huge. And I, I wanted to almost kind of revalidate myself in my head. You did it. You got through. You pushed hard and you gave it everything you got. You did not leave anything on the table. You didn't slack. Right. You didn't, and my patients, it was the same way when we finally got the clinicals. I wanted to show these people that I'm, I'm in it for them. Right. Just like the reason why I got it, I'm in it for them. I want to help as best as possible. Anyway, whether it was staying late, preparing their denture in the emergency clinic, didn't matter. It was anything I could do. Give them a call after their appointment. I called every single one of my patients after I did a procedure on them. When they got home, it was five o'clock, eight o'clock at night, on my way home walking, I called the two people I saw. I'm doing Because yeah. the point was, is that to me was, you can't remember, forget why you got it. You have to remember it. That's what my dentist would have done to me. Correct. So I was, you know, you got to be the reflection of what you want to see in the mirror, right? You just, you just provided extra care. Exactly. So it's dental business, right? So, you know, we definitely have to keep that in mind. Dental school was a proven mind. It was a proven time for me. It was proven. You got your chance. Now don't let it slip through your fingers. So now graduation. What was going through my mind? What's next? Did you ever consider GPR or specialty? I did. I did apply, but uh, I wasn't. PRs are competitive, everything's competitive. And this is pre-COVID where everything was very, still by the book is competitiveness. Correct. Two seats in a program. This, I didn't really, I didn't take it seriously. I applied maybe one or two programs and get in. Hey, you get networking, you find a job, somebody will hire you. You went to the best school in the country, somebody will hire you. That was what I thought. I thought that the whole time, someone will hire you. And luckily enough, through one of my mentors at dental school, I met a GSO doctor named Abe Grishanowitz and he owns uh-huh. 11 offices at the time, I don't know if it's more or less now, but even 11 offices in the Metro Detroit area. And he was kind enough to interview me. And I say that because when I get to the interview, he goes, I don't interview new graduates. And I went, why is that? And he goes, because there's some refinement that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Professionally and personally. And that sometimes comes from a first job. Because when you came out of the garden, you know, I'll take the interview. And I, we just had a nice talk. And we just talked about life and we talked about goals, drives, ambitions, and he hired me on the spot. He said, but he didn't hire me to be a dentist. He said, I'm going to hire you and I have to train you to be a provider first for anything. Right. So that kind of shook me in a way around. It's a little harder to get a job than I think. He put me out for two days a week and he owns 11 offices. He could have stayed. He could have done it. But it was just two days a week and I was with him and one of his other doctors and we were doing communication trainings. He gave me a 40-page package just how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. We were doing how to make your points clear, but how to provide value in a day. If someone comes in with a problem, he'd often look, what are you gonna do? And this is, no, you didn't answer me. What are you gonna do for them now? They're a customer. How will you serve them? And I, that showed me a lot about myself. But during that time, I was trying to get another job, so I'm only working two days a week, and I'm like, man, I'm bored. I'm working Monday and Saturday, and I got this whole middle of my week, it's over. Wow. And I was getting, that's tough. And I would apply everywhere. I'm thinking in my head, I'm number one. I went to Michigan. That's the best. That's what they're telling you in dental school. This is the best program. You can like this, that, the other thing. And nobody would hire me. I'd go to a job interview and say, we want some more experience. Go to a job interview, like, you're not there yet. Those were common feedbacks. And I was getting just hammered with that four months after graduation. Because so, it's a dense market in Metro Detroit for a Michigan graduate. Correct, correct. And, and what I'm thinking here is it's more or less like when you're coming out of school, I mean, it's like, the reason he was making you go through communications, through all this hassle and all this stuff is because new grads, when they come out of school, it's pretty like yeah. a rough diamond. I mean, you, you think got to get refined. I mean, the school puts it in your head that, yeah. hey, you were worth all that money, but in actuality, it's not. 
Exactly. And you think that academia, it, it almost kind of makes you think there's mm -hmm. no one who doesn't want you. In a weird way, it's like you are a dentist and you will serve and people will want you. The reality of the situation is, as we know too well, is when you graduate, you are not experienced. And experience is what people prefer. Right. It's what people want. Right. It's a service thing. Correct. They don't want to be the, you don't, they don't want you to be the first crown. They want you to be your 1,000. People are looking on Google, they want to see all your list of accolades and how many years you've been doing it. So what would you say, what would you say like a new grad coming out, what would be the biggest, let's say, the term I would probably use is what is the biggest investment they need to make as soon as they come out of school to be that valuable gem so that people are seeking them out and jobs are seeking them out and these guys want to go out there and say, you know what, I'm ready for prime time. What would be some of the key accolades that, that you think? I would probably state that the first thing you need to look for is volume-based dentistry. And that's not what you probably thought I was going to say. Okay. Because repetition and how much you're doing something is what gains you experience. Mm -hmm. And when you graduate dental school, you think the holy grail of all grails is going to work as an associate, a private practice job. That is not true. Because a private practice job sees a very limited amount of patients a day. And maybe they don't even take all insurances. And right. maybe these are healthy people that aren't really doing a lot. The cleanings, maybe a couple of crowns and some fillings, you're going to a limited practice. But as a graduate, you don't understand that. The place that is high volume and it sees a lot gives you the opportunity to see a lot and do 30 treatment plans a week, maybe, or maybe even do a couple dentures a, a week with maybe some extractions and some root canals, which we don't get a lot of experience. So, like, volume based. The second part that I was building on is skill set based. Go to a place that has platforms, ask the questions. Right. Can I do denture? Can I do root canals here? Can I go to CE like dental implant or Invisalign and I can do it here? Now, if you go to a private practice, we don't do that here. You're immediately not going to do it because that's the owner doctor's decision. But if you go to like a DSO, maybe the owner doctor, like in your example, if you carry implant motors, you carry endo motors, you carry denture equipment, you carry digital scanners. The possibilities are endless and you, you empower your associates to do that. So volume-based and skill set-based are what I would look for first. And the second thing is, Group practice. You cannot go out and be alone and expect to learn True. right away. You want to go where there's an established mentor or a mentoring system or someone you could be around and bounce some ideas off because the easiest thing to happen to a new graduate is for them to get their confidence lost. And we've seen Correct. that, right? Correct. We've seen the confidence get shook. Something goes south, confidence goes out the window, and they're never doing it again. They roll it out of the table. And that is hard because you can't rebound when your mind's made up. So tell me something real quick here. I see a lot of forums out there, right? These guys, they want to get paid first. They want to get paid more. Mm -hmm. That way they can provide. What, 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 where's, where do you see the reality is and where are these guys lost in? Where do you see the reality is and where are these guys lost in? Well, the reality is... is and and what, what are these guys thinking that they're coming out with this mindset? Right. And what I'm assuming we'll get here, it's kind of like our experience together, Yeah. is you told me on my first day of the job is do good work be successful and the money will follow. Financials will follow a successful person. And that brought me into this mindset of, I haven't done good work because I haven't done anything. I haven't pushed myself to do advanced procedures because I haven't done it. Right. So instead of worrying about how much money I'm gonna make, why don't we just get some wins under our belt? Why don't we do a bridge that seats perfectly? Or why don't we make a denture that somebody's happy? Or why don't we do a root canal that got the patient out of pain? 
because what's going to happen is the customer will come back. Right. That's what you were trying to teach me. You win the day and their patient will be yours forever. They're loyal Love for it. your loyalty, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're not asking you. I don't in today's world. I don't ask people. Sit around, go pay a thousand, sit your butt back down, and we'll do it. That's not what it is. Let me get you out of pain. Let me take care of you, and then they will gladly go pay at the register after. You have All to have take care of the patient, right? So the the financial aspect of this whole thing should be second to your performance, right? Because performance and success will make you financially successful one day. You chase financial, you're never getting it right. Right. You start counting all your money and counting all the balance sheets and looking through everything and you're realizing it's not there because you're missing the first part be the change be successful do good for your people you hit all three of those things people will line up around the corner my biggest thing is you got to make sure you be of service to somebody exactly and help them first mm -hmm. and that's how you get paid because i always believe if you are not willing to do more than what you're getting paid initially exactly you will never get paid more for what you do. Exactly. I think a lot of that's just the, there's all these groups out there, these Delta groups where they focus on money. And they yeah. focus on how much does this associate job pay? How much did some of the more popular ones, even the common threads of discussion. And, and is giving those, and is giving the new grass the wrong idea. Money this, money that. Correct. You don't make high money unless you're doing high volume or doing great work. And you can't do those things unless you have proven it. Exactly. Experience. So it's like we're, we're working in reverse. You're looking at, the end result, like a finished home on an empty lot. You gotta plan the whole thing. You gotta get the blueprint down. Exactly. Lay the foundation. Exactly. So it's very mis misleading and the- I 100% agree. And the mentorship, that third leg, you have to have someone who's willing to push your boundaries, who's willing to constantly say, hey, I'm taking this course you come with, or we're bringing in plants in our practice, you should learn, it would be really good for us. Right. Because that's that mindset what we talked about even earlier, that push on the shoulder forward to always exactly. follow the extra mile and grab that extra procedure and do the extra service for your patient and not be complacent. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, I'm going to go back to the, the after graduation, like after the first job that you had. And you called us, right? You found me through LinkedIn or something. I did. I did. Right? So there were other opportunities, other DSOs that's being like hands-up bonuses, mm -hmm. right? And you saw those work additions, you saw what was happening. And I'm talking about like five digit bonuses. Yeah. What made you decide to skip all and come here? For me, it was never really about the money. And the reason I say that, it was never about the money for me because what was happening was I was seeing two, three patients a day and not learning. I could have worked for eight hours mm -hmm. and see three people. It was like Bell squall over you. But I realized that I was a small fish in a big pond. Okay. I was a new graduate in the sea of Michigan graduates. Mm -hmm. I don't stand out to anybody or any, anything. I got to earn my stripes just like the rest of them. So I had a paradigm shift in my brain. I was fed up at work one day. I'm like, I saw one patient at 9 a.m. And I had, my shift was 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. One patient did three hygiene checks for almost 12 hours. And I thought to myself, today you take charge of your life and you figure it out. It's not working out. You got to do this month four. It's not working out. And I'm giving you the chance to build yourself here. And what I did was I had family, my grandparents, who lived in Michigan City, Indiana. Indiana is for a hit from Detroit, Michigan. Nobody's out there. And I went to Michigan. So if I go to Indiana, I say with the Michigan, I'm a big fish in a small town. Right. There's not many Michigan graduates out there at the time. I'm like, there's nothing. There's nobody. And I could see some crazy cases and do some things. So I went in the area and I started applying people on LinkedIn and I found your app. And I applied for a 
Northwest Indiana lead associate position. Like I was going to get that right. And the tiger, I remember this day, it was fall or beginning to become fall. It was like early August. It was a cool, crisp afternoon and the tigers were on television. And I yeah. closed my laptop and I was about to crack a beer because I was just having, I was bored. I wasn't doing anything. I was just ready to end my night and do that. And then walk out of the patio and I get a call from an 815 number and I went, it said Peoria, Illinois on it. And I'm like, interesting. That might be where I just applied to. And it was seven minutes and 45 seconds after I applied. And it was you on the other right, line. Right, yep, I remember And we that. had a one and a half hour conversation about mindset and goals and what you could do for me, which is something I had never heard, right? I'm striking out. And I, what you could do for me, how we could benefit each other. These are topics we talk about and we hadn't even met. And I, and the first, my takeaway was he sees an, an opportunity to grow something. And yeah. that's a bigger deal than what I'm going because right now I'm striking out. Right now it's your ability doesn't match your skill set. And this is wow. Yeah, one of the, one of the, one of the things that I like to check out your frequency, where you're at, mm -hmm. right? Where are you at? Where your mindset is at? Do you like to win? Because I want to run at winning. We want to have a winning team, and this is how we always achieve our goal. And you had that in you. And I was just... And then, and then what happened? I asked you to come back to Peoria, right? So I didn't know you much at the time, but you'd ask me, can you interview? And I said, yeah. Why can you interview? You go, can you do tomorrow? I go, yeah, where do you want to meet? I'm thinking it's Chicago. Four hours or not. Yeah. Three hours ago. Peoria, Illinois. And I went, I thought this job was for another city. It is. I own that office. But I'm headquartered out of Peoria. That's where I work tomorrow. And I like... You're telling me all the ways I could get there. And I, it's like, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. I said, you know what? Three days off work in the row. I said, you know what? I'll be there. I'll make it happen. And you, we said it for 10 o'clock in the morning. You know what? I'll be there. And I hang up on the phone and I look at my dad who had taken me to all my dental interviews. And I said, get in the car. We're going to Peoria, Illinois tonight. But we broke up the drop. We got to about Chicago area. Right, right, right. And I went in from there in the morning. about three hours. It was about a nine hour total trip. Right. We're driving there and he's like, Alex, why do you want to do this? Your whole life is in Michigan. Your family's here. Your education has been here. Your parents are here. Your friends are here. Why do you want to do this? I said, there's something about that conversation that I, have, I just have to see it through. And that was the only thing that I was going out there on a see it through mindset. Not knowing what's Not knowing yeah. anything about Peoria. I couldn't even find Peoria Illinois on a map to be honest right. with you before that. And when I get there and I saw your office and you showed me all the facilities, the standard stuff, and then me, you, and Dr. Joffrey, yep. who was the owner of Secure Dental, we sat down, we had a good talk about where I'm at and what we could, what you guys could see in me, which is something I've never heard before. And we went out to lunch at a neighboring restaurant there. We just had another... It was wild. Like you drove all the way from Detroit. Detroit. Yeah. And we... We just had a talk and nobody offered me a job or anything. And you just kept saying, so when do you want to start? I'm like, as a kid, who just fresh out of dental school. Like, does that mean I got it? Does that mean we're doing this? And I get in the car and my dad had been driving around Peoria doing whatever, hanging out for the day. And I looked at him and I said, there's something about this opportunity I have to take. And I, I can't tell you what it is. I just, there was like this force of attraction in my right. mind that said, if I do this, I will be great. If I stay where I'm at, I won't. And it was like, that was the entire nine hour car ride home. 
I just kept telling him, I said, something about this feels like I, if I don't do this, I'll regret it forever. It's a frequency match, right? Right. And I was like, I will regret this decision for the rest of my life if I don't do it. I, I just know it. And I got there and I called you and I said, all right, what do I have to do? You said apply for your Illinois license and apply for your Indiana license. So once I got them, I put in my two weeks. I moved to this area on a whim. No family, nobody. My grandparents lived an hour away from me because it was closest to Portage where you guys hired me out of. So where were we seeing at that time? I was in Chicago okay. because it was centrally located. And I said, you know what? If they need me to go to any other offices, I could get there from there. And I saw the Davenport ones, the Rock Island, Moline, Springfield. Because at that point, when I was alone and working, I said, you just came from a job where you weren't given the opportunity. So now what you're going to do is change your whole mindset. And you're going to work six days a week. You're going to give it everything you got. And take any hours they'll give you and push it every day. Challenge yourself. Right. Consistently do a procedure you're not doing. Just like we had talked about in our interview. And you told me, you guys told me in the interview, if you work hard for six months, you won't believe where you are, where you came from six months ago. I took that to heart. So I'll let you talk about this if you want. Again, it's about end of August and I start working for you. And I done two root canals all at dental school. And you drove up because you guys are mentors. And we did like doctor's meetings and cloud-based learning suite, cloud-based software. And I talked to you guys. I called you up and I said, you know, I got like this guy who needs eight root canals. They're all covered by state insurance. And yeah, we accepted it. And what did we do? We opened them all up. We Dr. Lou drove down. You yeah. and you said, I'll be there tomorrow. Just make sure he's numb. So I numbed him up and you got there and we... Opened every single tooth up and did all yeah. the root canals and you showed me the workflow and how you're overthinking. You can be overthinking steps and underthinking steps and how you can be more efficient and streamlined. And that was that one day, I'll never forget it, that I realized I made the right choice. I made the right choice. I, I put all my eggs in this basket and I watched myself push eight root canals out of one guy in two hours and 10 minutes. Tell about the story when you were working in the Davenport, the, the Rock Island office. Right. So, yeah. So... And that was the other thing too, is it was a newer office than Northwest yeah. you hired me into. And you said that you wanted me to kind of like experience growing a practice. It was the closest thing I could get to opening my own. Be in there and grow it, see what happens. And that was unique. But I called you and Dr. Joffrey and I said, you know what, I'd really like some more help. This is going to be a stretch, but we need some help for about four months in Rock Island. It's a busy office. We don't have a doctor. Would you do two days a week there? And I said, you know what? Sure. So I would work for you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday here in the greater Chicago area. Yeah. And on Wednesday night, I got a, I had an overnight bag ready to go. I'd leave from work and go straight to the hotel in Rock Island, three hour drive. Work there Thursday, Friday, drive home Friday. See, the reason I'm spending so much time here is I'm just trying to get a point across that. It takes a grind, it takes grit, it takes commitment, it takes discipline, and it takes accountability to self-realization. Exactly. That was that was the real thing. Is like what I told you is like I had just come from a job where I was like right. frustrated. The real frustration with me was I wasn't getting a chance. And the dental school thing was proven. And now it's like I'm not proving anything to anybody. Right. And I've made it or made it. I just wanted the chance to prove myself all over again. That first job experience propelled me into everything I had done thereafter. I didn't even realize. So we did this thing and I worked for you seeing 50 patients a day on those Thursday, Fridays 
and growing this other side, which was really starting to get traction. And it was one of those things when you would come up there because Rock and I was closer to you and I would tell you, we'd go over my schedule on a Wednesday night before and I'd say, hey, I got this lady. I think she's got a bunch of bottom dog teeth and we need to get them out. And he went, they're front teeth and it's all covered by state aid. Why don't you just try to do some root canals and get her out of pain for a little bit, see if it works. So same thing, I come in and then you're with me and we're starting to do time site. We're starting to do, oh, well, you're right. gonna be alone here, but you don't wanna take all day. So let's shoot for a target time. Let's test ourselves and monitor how efficient we are, how effective we are, all these things. And we did that with, and then the next patient was an eight and nine crown prep. And in dental school, you get three and a half hours to prep it to. Let alone yeah, in real life, too. Right. In real life, you just reminded me, you know, someone might be coming here on their lunch break. That's an hour. This is pre-COVID. That's very true. Work yeah. nine to five, one hour lunch, bro. And I told you, we were sitting there one day after that patient, and you said, all right, you have your eight and nine coming up. How long do you think it's gonna take you? I said, I shout out modestly, 45 minutes. And you wrote the number five on the sticky note. You said, I want the preps done in that time, both of them. And I got it done in 17 minutes, and I thought I was a champion. And the reality was, is what you taught me is push the boundary. Push yourself, right? Grab that I, I, I gotta say one thing though. Every single time I challenged you, you lived up to it. It's like yeah. your growth curve was like, you know, like that. It took the right person to sit there and tell me you have to be better than But you had it in you. And that's that's what thing that you know we're so proud of because you took everything to the heart and you got it done and you made sure that you know what, let's get the results. Yeah. And it, and it and it really came from watching you do it. Like I watched you do it. So you weren't just saying this arbitrary number that you wouldn't you do yourself. Right. I watched you prep a crown in 10 minutes on a person in your column that day. You said, come here, watch. And you put the timer on, you clicked the timer and you prepped it up and you said, all right, take the pressure. And it was nine minutes and, 40, and 42 seconds. And you said, I would never tell you to do something I don't think is realistic. And then we exactly. did So it wasn't just like these fake numbers right. that you're trying to get me to do so you could make more money. You were truly trying and I could see it to show me that this is a realistic route you could run and it's for your benefit and our benefit. Correct. You'll be a better dentist and we will help each other. The whole time when we prep our doctors, it's just so that when they have their own office, mm -hmm. they're not struggling. Right. They're not struggling patient-wise, they're not struggling financially, they're not struggling with any kind of team members. Even at the end of the day, these guys are just out there killing it. That's the mindset that we want you to have and that's the mindset we, hey, you know what, this is not the, this is not the work ethics for the masses. Yeah. It takes a different, it takes a different cut of the cloth, right? Exactly. exactly. And you guys have done such a good job in your offices with, you got a great management team. You have a front office, back office set, meaning like you have an insurance person, yeah. you have accounting teams, you have office managers, you have a staff that reports indirectly and directly to certain people. And you just have a nice structure that really allows for a dentist to go in there and just do your job, rely on your team, team relies on you and it's really harmonious. Those are the things that a lot of private practice office struggle with. The dentist burns out. How often do we hear that? The staff is unhappy because some other person is calling the shots. It's not the doctor. It's usually the doctor and the wife of the manager. Which can work. And I'm not saying it can work. I'm just saying the model that you've instilled is the model for true growth and teamwork and delegation. Delegation. That's the real key. Because if you could take all those things and plug them into your office and create it, then you can replicate it. You can replicate it. Easy. But it just takes the... You know, you know all the stuff that we're just talking about, right? It's, you can replicate it. Just, you know, success leaves clues.
Exactly. Pick up all the clues and just copy it. A lot of learning. You know, you're never going to do everything right. Oh, no. And you're never going to do everything right. We're, we're still learning. Everything yeah. stops. So now let's fast forward. The day when you got the grind done, like four days, four years in. Yeah. And now, like the day when you were actually decided to, hey, you know, I want to get my own practice. Well, I had been working with you and Dr. Joffrey for, for at this point, almost three and a half years at that time. And yeah. You put me through implant CV. You taught me personally how to do implants. Full arch, overdenture, root canals. Yeah, we did them all together. Orthodontics. And you had grown me over three years because I've proven to you, at least I think so, is I'm willing to give it my all. I'm, we can help so each other. fast. You were so like fast at like just. But it, it came from that that drive, right? Yeah, like, exactly. And when I was your associate, I would stay till seven, eight at night. I was never the first one out. I was always the last one. I had my key. I was setting the alarm at least three to four nights a week. I didn't let notes go done, undone. I wanted to refresh, and you taught me this too. Your next day starts the night before. You cannot leave exactly, exactly into tomorrow. You automatically become unorganized. So your next day starts the night before. And I kept that. So your next day starts the night before. And I kept that. Every day I worked that's there. that's huge. So I, I would stay I, you you didn't give us the ability to do our notes of old. But I didn't want I stayed at your office, did the notes, did all my lap slips, boxed them, packaged them, taped them up, and I'm ready on the manager's desk for the next day. Because the night Still had to be preparation for the first day tomorrow. First patient. Right. And we would, we would always call that first patient mentality. If you can't maneuver your schedule and understand where the high value procedures are, and the low value procedures are, what should be quick, what should take a little longer, what might take a little longer. Somebody's coming in with a little problem that you might want to convert them and help them out into some service. Those are the things that you need to know the night before. You can't sleepwalk through that. And see, this is a secret sauce. Yeah. If a lot of people ask like, hey, how do you make your dental office successful and more efficientized? This is what we practice every single day in our office, but it all depends on the individual provider if they're willing to put exactly. that work and that effort. And I watched you guys do it. Right. Like I said, nothing you had done is something I never saw you not do yourself. Correct. So you were leading you always by advice. You always take advice from someone who's doing it. And you were leading by example. You weren't just saying, do that and going home at four o'clock oh, yeah. playing yeah. golf. You were doing it yourself because we would have doctor's meetings and we would do case discussion and all stuff. And you're not doing that if you're not doing it yourself. So I had been doing that for three and a half years and we had been growing and it was actually you that you sat down with me and we looked at our members at the end and you say, you know what, like this isn't the end for you. Like you could go on and do your thing. We collaborate later, which ironically today, that the pinnacle of what we had talked about back in 2021. And we had kind of, you'd kind of mentioned to me, you said, you know, like it's as an associate, I was doing in a in-network Medicaid accepting Indiana practice. We were right. doing eight, seven to $8,000 days. With, and that's after adjustments, right? So after we're working hard, we're doing it, and you, you kind of tap me on the shoulder and you said, you should really start thinking about your next steps and how we can collaborate later. And that resonated with me. You're never going to think you're ready. You're never going to know when you're ready because my whole journey into that, prove it. But prove it to who? Prove it to you? I didn't have to prove it to you. At that point, I guess I didn't, real, I didn't realize I didn't have to. What I was failing to realize is that I had to prove it to myself. Correct. I did, this whole time, I had to prove it to me that I could do it. And when you told me that, I, it changed me. I was like, you know what? You have these skill sets. You're doing, you're exactly. three years out of dental school, you're doing all around four as a general dentist. You're three years out of dental school and you're doing single unit implant placements in under a half hour. You're three years out of dental school and you're doing molar root canals 
same day extractions, same day servicing, converting on the spot, and making making it make sense financially, but not because that's what your focus is, because you're just worried about helping people and how to maximize exactly. your day. Exactly. So that whole thing. I still remember a time where you did not even want to do any more rentals. Yeah, no, and you, like, you pushed me. This is tough. That was hard because like in school, everything is so segmented. If it's not a main tier two that you yeah, don't yeah. want a specialist, but you said the only person that says a specialist is someone who doesn't want to do it or can't do it. But if you're comfortable doing it, there's nothing wrong with that. Just know when your limits are. Right. And you pushed me and I did my first number 30 and I called you and said, look at the x-ray I did it. How long did you take you? I said, two and a half hours. Right. And you went, that's great. But remember, now you have to do it with the time frame. You did it, you got the first one done. Now feed it every time. Right. And that was like a big, big thing too for me because you could do these procedures, but if it takes you eight hours to do it, then you're not going to be making as much as if you didn't do it at all. So that's the kind of thing where it's like, because when you own an operating office, you, you can't just think about yourself. Your staff is relying on you right. to provide. The patients are relying on you exactly. to see and be available. And the community is relying on you to be a, a strong pillar of business in the community. And if you're not successful, then that's waste. All the stuff that we do in our office, everything that we do, time study, patient care, patient management, speed, efficiency, it's all from a patient's perspective. Yeah, exactly. Because when a patient walks in here, they want to see a confident, committed, and a dedicated doctor. Exactly. That's huge. It's kind of like your model when you guys morph your associate. I, I say it to everyone to this day. I wouldn't be where I am without Secure Dental. I wouldn't. And I still collaborate. I still, I still try to mentor as many doctors as possible. I give them all my phone number. I, I try to just jump on all of our calls still. Right. And give back because of what it gave to me. I still, to this day, realize that my, some people who took the journey to private practice will remain in one lane because of my time at Secure right. Dental. I like have a five-lane highway I drive every day. It could be a root canal. It could be crowns. It could be implants. It could be Invisalign. It could be denture. Exactly. I rolled that highway every day and I never looked back and I pushed myself through your guys' teachings to just kind of stay disciplined and stay focused and push yourself to get better. That was one of those things that like a lot of people want a negative connotation about DSO. And corporate and all its ruining dentistry. It's like, it depends, it, right? It, is, it, depends. It, it depends, but it also is a wrong stigma. Yeah. Because what I was able to do during those years is help a lot of people, a lot of people. And those people need care. Oh, Whether they can afford to go to a fee-for-service office and do the fancy stuff or not, every patient has a different financial and personal scenario. And someone might be falling on a hard time that day, but could be a billionaire three years from now. Exactly. And you don't know. You, know? you don't know. I was grateful the patients who let me work on them. I tell my patients, who, I'd, always, I'd always end it with big cases. It was an absolute honor and a privilege right. to work on you. And they thought I was just insane for even saying that. But in my head, I would always say, you know, you trusted me on a simple note. It was never about money. You trusted me. You gave me a chance. You let put your life in my hands from a dental perspective. Correct. Correct. You are out your well-being in my hands. And I, I was just grateful that they would even think that. And you know what? See, here's the thing. You got the same. You have, a, you have terrific work ethics. And, and a lot of associates do also right now. But you got it. Once you open up your own office, you brought the same work value to your patients, to your, patients, to your yeah. office, your team. And it's also worth noting that when I was looking, you actively helped me look. You would say, hey, send me some of the pictures or what's the doctor doing or what you, you tell me things like, what should I yeah. be looking for? Yeah, yeah. What? When you go to this office, this is what you need to be focused on. 
you need to have these kind of wits about you when you go to prep by because you and Dr. Jabri had multiple offices, so you could definitely be telling in a heartbeat, this is good or this is bad, or this is what you should look for, or you should look closer to this. And yeah. so the buck didn't really stop with you when I left because even today, I still go to your office as an affiliate doctor and do big cases. We still work together, whether yeah. it's a full arch of implants or singles or helping a doctor out with veneers, I still am there as an affiliate to help. But you know, one thing I really love about you is right after you left, sort of left, because you were still with us for about a year. Yeah, I worked part-time. Right? Yeah, worked so part-time. once you had your own office, the first year, you did exactly what I was advising you to do with marketing. You did not cheap out on marketing. No. You did not cheap out on staff. No, you we doubled our staff size. Correct. You even went ahead and got that via. Yeah, we, you they were know, very helpful. Right, which is, which is one of my, you know, like side business, right? So you follow like everything through. And today, man, I mean, like I was looking at your numbers. You were showing me your numbers. Mm-hmm. We've sold 17. 15 days in. And, and by the way, the three on six you went to. Yeah. You did not say, hey, you know what? I'm going to cheap out. No. You just invested. You went all in. So I think that's the kind of mindset that it takes. Like you got to go all in. And I was just about to say that. I, I've heard you say over probably the last five years, be all in and everything. I mean, I've heard you say that probably a hundred times. And I also heard you say how you do everything is how you do anything. And those things, it's like, when I look at success, I look at people like you and Dr. Joffrey, I look at my mentors like you two, and I say, if he's advising me to do something, it's because it worked. It's because through trial and error and his experience and your journey, and you've realized, I'm never going to tell you something which I've never done in my life. And you would definitely tell me, I tried this and it didn't work. But you could try it and figure out for yourself if you think it's going to work for you. And you've, you've given me advice like that. It didn't work so well for me, but... If it works for you, let me know what we did differently. And, and, and today we are looking at your numbers, right? How many arches? In the last two months, yeah, I've, I have either performed or planned 17 full 17. arches ministry. And I'm only four. I graduated Dell School in 2019. It's 2023. How many of your colleagues right now can say the same thing? I can't say many. I can't say many. They, they may be, right? But yeah. not, not the masses. No. Not and, the masses. And it, and it, it was a full circle journey because with you... In one year, so I did my mm-hmm. trainings, implant formal trainings like you require. Right. You don't just let us go place implants. You require them and got a certification of some kind. So I did that. And in the first year, I did 150 single units with you. And you're off. We have a goal. We had yeah. 100 or 10 a month and we beat it. Yeah. And every time we beat it, I bought the staff dinner. So that was my reward to them for trying to get people to get a lot of implants. So we did that. And then the next year, you said, all right. You got singles, let's do immediates. Let's do over dentures and let's do full arch. You challenged me to five full arches in a year. Two years out of dental school, you tell me, as a general manager, you tell me five full arches and we did six. Me and you, we did six. Yeah, that's all, just coming out of school like two years out. Yeah, we did six. And we had gone through some companies, we had done some stuff and we we may or may not use those companies today, but like we, we still got the leverage and repetition we needed. And even in my head, I'm like, you know, gosh, it's, I'm entering year three of my career. I've placed at this point over two, 300 implants, and I've rehabilitated several people from eventually. That's what I started to click with me is like, this was at a job that I took because I was just fed up. Right. This was at a job I took because of that force of attraction. This was at a job that I took because... I felt that I would regret it if I didn't. And those were the moments where I just kept, as I realized it was a payoff, as I right. realized exactly. it was working, it drove me even more. Right. It worked. 
it's working, but don't stop now. Kind of like you said, all in, all, all the time. time. One thing I admire about you, Dr. Joffrey, is you're always chasing the next thing. You're always looking at your own systems. It's not sitting at the pinnacle with your 11 offices and saying, we've done it and we're done. Oh, never. You're saying, how can we get better? And our doctor's calls, you're always saying, we're going to try this. We're launching this. We're demoing this. We're doing this. That to me is a, is a very, you know, I've only been owning for now for about a year and, a, and some change. Keep going, right? Yeah. And what it does to me is it, it motivates me to say, my mentors are in an always changing state. And they've been doing this for years. Oh. I have to maintain the same state of mind that, that they, tr they drilled into me. Yeah, exactly. Every day. You know, what we did today is obsolete. It's all the stuff we did yesterday is obsolete by now. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like we found the same suit. The other thing is being grateful yeah. and not being selfish. And you guys have demonstrated that tenfold you know, because associates. For me, it's like, if you're going to be opening up an office, I know my, my, my uh, past experience with all the colleagues that I know. Yeah, like their their employees never helped them open up an office. Yeah, it's always about like how long can you stay here? What can we do to keep you down? You know yeah. what I mean? My mentality is, you know what? Let's keep growing the pie and let's give the new guy, the new guys coming in a chance. Yeah, let's keep growing. Let's keep growing. Everybody keep growing, and I, that's what I call qualifier. Once when you learn something, hey, let's pass it on. Yeah, exactly. And you guys have just demonstrated that with your associates beyond belief. I mean, the. For example, you onboarded with Neodan. And that was me collaborating with you after. So when I left, I found Neodan and I said, you, we you, really should. You're the one who brought it up. But, you know, the, the thing is, they were trying to get through the door for the yeah, longest time. Exactly. But when you brought it up and I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's give them a try. And I, I told you guys, I said, they offer this leg or they pitched me this leg that wouldn't really apply to me, but it might apply to you. Yeah. About this educational overhaul they do. Yeah. And our big thing was how do we get every associate playing at a very high level and doing procedures, getting comfortable with them. And that was one of those things when I heard that, I said, I didn't just say, well, I'm done with Dr. Lou, I'm not going to tell him. I called you that night and they said, you should really give these guys more consideration. But you were talking about these guys even before when you were with us. I just heard from friends of company. I did and then some of my cohorts, people were saying, you know, that's a great implant for what you're doing. And I said, you know what? Sure. I, I'd love to give them a shot. Maybe when they were on my own. And when I found out about this whole other leg, associate enrichment is at the heart of your business, your yeah. model. And these guys are willing to train. Oh yeah. It was an operator. And then when, and I went, you invited me to the trades, which I was super grateful for. And I was actually, I was also invited to be a, a faculty at mentor at one of those live patient things. I never thought in a million years I'd be training other people, but to see the educational and watch your, your associates come from all corners of your offices oh, yeah. and learn and do demo surgeries and live patient surgery all within a, a short amount of time and do annual courses and ortho courses. It's like that was the real pinnacle that I saw. You are willing to give back oh, to, big time. to the, your associates. You're willing to invest in them for long or short term. It didn't matter. You didn't ask us. Well, how long are we sticking around? I'm not going to put you in. Of course, you're going to leave tomorrow. You just say, let's do it. Let's grow. Because you have something to gain out of that too. Because what you're doing is bringing in value to the industry. It's one of those things where we have this associate pool of associates coming in, right? Mm -hmm. My job is to make them trained, right? They got to be trained. It's better that they get trained and stay with us than getting not being trained and staying with us. I mean, we did have a few. Don't try to train the left. But that was right, also but, good because... 
That's yeah. fine. You found out the capabilities of how far you could push somebody, and you found out maybe it wasn't the right fit. And yeah. if a training is the way it becomes not the right fit, that's probably the best thing, which is fine. Because for us, it's all about being grateful and making sure we provide value. Of no course. Where we go. Of course. Yeah. And, and, and the funny part is, you and I, we attended other courses. Yeah. But we still learned a whole bunch here as well. I remember going around to some of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I said, well, you guys got them two days. Took me months to accrue. And I reminded them, like, this is an unbelievable experience. And so good. And yeah. for me, it was an eye-opener because I've been placing implants for the last, what, 12 years. Yeah. I learned something. Even I learned something. We changed our whole bone graft because of that. We were using a certain type of graft, and this Dr. Bruno Arnott told us about all exactly. the new techniques. And you and I both called our bone graft person. We said, is our new product is what we're going with because when you learn something it, it, you like take that in your skill set it was unbelievable so when i got this place i transitioned with all the things you had already taught me okay but on a, on a smaller scale i take it over for a practice that was very limited just general industry and they were reforming everything out everything pretty much baby teeth extractions even oh wow okay yeah. so i brought it in slowly like i had to buy the equipment and then train my staff on every procedure i was going to do I did, I did my first implant here for free just to get one through the door and show them the workflow. Then I had to bring in the reps and show them products and show, we sift through our own products and get that because I already have my numbers and metrics that you had instilled in me from day one as an associate. You always give us targets, where we got to be, what we got to do and how much we got to see to be effective. Because there's a helping people side, but it's also a business side and you have to be in tune with both. So I was in tune with that early on and I transformed this place from about a half a million a year to 1.2 million in my first nine yeah. months. Yeah. Now this year, we're on track to double that. Exactly. Through taking those systems and so making them efficient, right? Yeah. The, the, what I'm saying is, is the biggest takeaway and the biggest thing I did for this place was telling you. I joined Benvia. I hired an insurance coordinator. You did not do everything yourself. I empowered my staff to be financial managers, driven. I doubled my staff size. I trained my assistants to do more than just be assistants. My hygienists make their own schedule. I loop everyone into production. So you kind of give them a little bit of autonomy as well. They all have autonomy. I taught them that the standard is the standard. Yeah. And my biggest thing about this place is when the office wins, you win. So we are all a team, meaning like, we're doing well, they, my team will see the results of that. Right. It's not just me, it's everyone. So they're all looped in. If the business is thriving, they will also be rewarded as well. So we got the strategy part. I have this 80 20 rule where 80% is psychological, 20% is strategy, right? You, could, you dialed in really good. What about that 80%? Like, what was going through your mind when you were delegating, when you were spending money or you were investing in marketing, you were paying those payroll coming up? What was your thing? Because a lot of people, they get stuck right there. And I want you to kind of touch base a little bit so that it can help somebody unlock that mindset. My biggest thing, okay, was the real difficult point mm -hmm. is that as a new owner, you have a lot of debt. Yes. Debt servicing. Like I had multi, I'm, I'm up in the seven figures of debt. Absolutely. Building or over 25 years or you name it because buying these things and owning these things is not. Because you never, you never had that, that kind of money debt before, you know. No, life. I mean, dental right. like a running debt. You just keep loading it up. That's its own thing in its own way. And How did you overcome that? I, thinking I, that you got to make this work. 
with the unknown and not knowing the sort. Because I, I obviously I had you, right? I had advice to just keep pushing forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do work, success follows. It was always in the back of my mind. The same teaching you were talking yeah. all those years ago. Do work, success follows. So what I would do, or what I was able to do, was understand the value of these things. Brock. So I worked for you. You did marketing. We did these things, and you saw what came in. Yeah. It's like a leap of faith. Okay. First, you know, like I, one of the sayings I love, and I, I do this every time I start a new market or a new product is, yeah. faith is taking the first step without seeing the entire staircase. And that is like, when you try a new product, you don't see the end of the road. You don't know if it's good or bad, but you gotta have faith. Same thing with marketing. I launched a few marketers. I put my name out there and my few payrolls. Like, you know, the first five month, couple months were hard. I, I, was, I was in the red. You're in the red because you have a lot of bills. You're paying staff. You're not making money right away. Your name's out there. Your scalp is not full. It's that scary. It's very scary. And I remember having calls from my account. Like, is this going to work? Am I going to make it? Like, why am I bleeding chips? And then I realized that all that faith that I put in, all that money I was paying towards marketing, and all those things you told me, at month three, it started to, the scale started to go this way. It was red. Now it was starting to come up. And then that was the time where it's like, get in there and put real work. Get those Google reviews. Get good service. Focus on taking care of people and just what they say about you. Exactly. I didn't even worry about financial. A lot of these things, I was just saying, pay me when it's over. Pay me when you're happy. But let me take care of you first. Got through there. And then I realized at the end of that first year, I'm looking back and I'm watching. I'm running through all my numbers and a month, month progression. And I was like, you know, it all started with that mentality of just take care of somebody. And then they'll tell their three for four getting paid. Before getting paid. And, and it's not the same even right now. It's like, I'm a year, a year in was a change. My debt servicing is still yeah. high, you know? Like, it is. We had a remodel. We did a new equipment. We got the building loan, the price loan. So it's not like I'm sitting here telling you that like I have it all made up for a year. There's a lot of more work to do. It's, and a lot of the money, going. And a lot of the money I do make is reinvested into the, in business, the business to for it to grow, reinvest in my employees for them to grow. And paying off the, the building. So, absolutely. But you have to see the success and you have to grow and grow and watch the place start to generate and continuously invest. When I worked for you part time that first year I worked here, I took zero payments. I, I said, if I work for Dr. Lou and I do high volume, they're like, I'm doing my whole time. I know I can pay my rent and pay my car. I put food on my plate. That was it. It was all I cared about. And then I just constantly would let this place invest in itself. And let it grow. Put the seed, put the seed in, which yeah. a lot of people are not wanting to do. Yeah, they want to stop putting money in day one. You know, faith. I love the. I love what you just said, man. Faith, faith. For me, faith is like seeing the invisible. Yeah. Believing in the incredible. Yeah. And what the masses would call it the impossible. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's for you and your team live by. That's that's what I learned for three years with you. And like, you gotta see through the noise. You have to see the yeah. invisible, which is not visible yet. I wouldn't be sitting here today telling you about this if it wasn't for you and everything that you guys had done and all the mindset. Right. And, and I, can, I, can, I can tenfold now. When I'm doing procedures where like, I'm like, I mean, you're getting sticky situations, but I just remember your training. Yeah. Like, uncomfortable, comfortable. Yeah. You can't let it slip now. You got to think, improvise, pivot. Be strong in the mind. Your mindset and your feelings have to come second. Like your emotions and feelings are right. buried when you are trying to do that thing that's making Absolutely. you comfortable because if you let that get through your mind, it's like a, it's like a sickness. It'll you're done, man. You're done. Yep. And yep. you taught me that a long time ago is 
is the and, mental and, health. And, and, I, and I look at you now, right? You believe in yourself. Your awareness level has gone from here to here. And that's, I think, where the no. biggest focus problem of a new graduate is. Yes. Like I told you, it's very easy to get shook. Yeah. And your awareness is low. And you haven't been doing this long enough to see the picture in front of you, what's around you. And it's very easy to get scared and intimidated. Right? Absolutely. So, like, these new graduates, the advice I'd give them is exactly what you gave me. I wouldn't change a thing. It's stay tough. Keep your emotions second to your mindset. Your mindset For is sure. the sharpest thing in your toolbox. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. You could push yourself all in every day. And I mean, that's what you guys tell all your associates. And it, it, it really does resonate. It's a unique position to be in. And I'm a living testament. Four years, three years with you, four years out of school, and here we are. If you believe in yourself, everything is possible. Yeah. And it's... That's the whole, that's the whole name of the game. It's been a ride. I, I don't really know how else to, so, I, guess, I guess like quantifying what could be out there because it's like that thing I told you is like, I'm on step two of the staircase. I can't see the end. I just have a lot of faith that like my teachings and my mentorship that you've given me. And, and you know what? Any step you go with that same mindset and you're wanting to put yourself in uncomfortable situations, you always get to the next level. Yeah. And you've been saying that from day one, right? Yeah. And your story motivated the whole getting denied for several dozens of dental schools the working at Bell Dreams for five years, the opening yeah, up practice, exactly. the bankrupt, to taking 50% interest loans out just to pay your staff for in the financial crisis. I mean, it's never easy. We're looking at you know, right? Like 11 or always got You're always going to write the tsunami. And still today, we are yeah. still writing the tsunami, right? You never stop. You don't stop. I think a lot of times people will look at you and say, you got a name, right? Like yeah. you, Dr. Lou, you got a name. And what do we always say, man? Yeah. Like, when you wake up, it's like you're broke. You told me that from the minute I met you is you got to wake up like every day is blank. Exactly. You don't have a bank account. You got to make one, right? Like, so you got to start from scratch. And that, and that to me is like, I look at you and I look at everything you've done and what people forget to realize, they don't ask you, well, how'd you get there? Did you ever go through a problem? And you have gone through plenty, but people don't ever focus on that because they think this is all given. They think this is all right. supposed to be given. Or we just received it. Right? Just received, yeah, yeah, exactly. Your dad wasn't dead. Yeah. Some story which doesn't make any sense. You see, here's the thing. The future has not been written yet. Yeah. And you can never ever predict a future based on the past. Yeah, exactly. So whatever you've done in the past should not even be anything close to what your future is holding it because exactly. your future is going to be like 10 times more. So that's what I believe for. That's what I believe and that's what I feel for you. Like, of course you took three out six. Yeah. You didn't need anybody's help. You just went in yourself. You invested in yourself. You believed in yourself. You saw the outcome. You saw the goal that what's going to do for you. Yeah. And I look at today what's happening. We got people traveling from all over Wisconsin, exactly. Cincinnati, St. Louis, here, Indiana. Exactly. I'm covering four or five states right now. And that's like self-awareness, 10x. Yeah. And, and those, love are, it. those are the teachings you gave us, man. There is literally, there's nothing, and this goes back to the full circle, there is nothing you haven't said to me that you haven't done yourself. But right. you can get through the hard and you took it out like level. That's also part, right? You, you expect that when you give someone advice, that they will heed the advice and apply it in their own way. But that's, that's, that's just what you hope for, right? That's always the case, right? Yeah, I mean, it's what you hope for. So anyways, yeah, I mean, this is a good segment, man. I think we can definitely collaborate quite a bit. Well, yeah, and, it, like, future, yeah. and like you said, the beginning is not. It's not just because we i used to work for you and you and all this stuff is it's over it's the beginning now absolutely the beginning, yeah, the beginning now. How, how are we not going to take each other's you know skill sets or wisdom mindsets and move it forward it's so much easier to 
remain with you right now because of the same frequency, the same mindset, yeah, and the same vision. It all goes back to that car ride, right? right. I have my dad right. So there's something about like this. There you go, man. Law of attraction that I have. Exactly. Right? So if I don't do this, I regret it. And I could say, we say sitting here, I live here now. I made a reputation out here. My family's still in Michigan, but I don't regret it for a second. Are you happy? Yeah. Most importantly, I, I, I don't go to work. Yeah. I help people every day of my life. Oh, that's awesome. That's, there's no better feeling. All right, good deal. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good deal. So, Dr. Shore, everyone, this is Dr. Noah Liu checking out. Make sure to like, subscribe, and this is our NFL podcast. Have a good one, everyone. We'll be right back.